following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. She loved the river and she thought about it too I was a pretty bad boy but she called my bluff With a great big collection of steamboat stuff Oh yeah Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show Joining us in the hot seat yet again Adarsh Meshru, Mike Johnson And our host Tom Dupree This is John Hartford Those of you who are my age or older, may remember that he was a frequent guest on the Glenn Campbell show and was a very eloquent and versatile musician. And uh, later in life, he actually became a steamboat captain because he grew up in St. Louis this song is about a trip on a steamboat, and it's a, it, it's named Miss Ferris, and that was his teacher. And when the boat sunk, she figured out how to get the pilot house put in the schoolyard. And uh, she believed in teaching history. There you go. She was figuring out how to get that uh, pilot house. Well, she did some politic and that was tricky and hard. And she got the pilot house for the schoolhouse yard. And so instead of studying, I became a dreamer, a dreaming about boats on the Mississippi River. So, you know, John Hartford just basically was a big kid. And he passed away about 20 years ago. But anyway, it's uh, his music is still stuff I listen to. Okay. That's so cool. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. He, he's kind of like a Bella Fleck, sort of, like where he's doing, because he's playing melodies on the banjo. Yeah, but he he was more, he's more verbal than Bella Fleck. I mean, he absolutely, his songwriting was more of a storyteller. Very much so. So anyway, we have some stories we want to talk about uh, the economy. And uh, 
One of them is inflation is already here for the stuff you actually want to buy. So it's interesting. Uh, the cost of food at home has been going up. You know, they've been talking about how with the interest rates as low as they are, uh, that inflation was not going to kick in, but it actually has kicked in for real estate in a big way. Um, and certain other things. And you guys want to go into that. You're welcome to. Yeah. So the during starting with the, you know, COVID shut down the pandemic, um, you've seen inflation in things that, that are being used right now. And that has a lot to do with, you know, just supply and demand. Um, but you know, you look at bicycles, medical care, newspapers, uh, TV, recreational books, uh, cleaning products, rent, all of these things you've seen prices go up. Uh, so you're seeing inflation in these areas. Um, and I mean, you think about it, it's, you had the inflationary pressure from the supply side because you couldn't get enough stuff. I mean, think about toilet paper. Um, I mean, you're, you're seeing inflation in some of these things where you had the shortage just from supply and demand. Yeah. And I have said in the past that inflation is a psychological phenomenon, but I want to maybe modify that by saying it, it can also be an economic phenomenon when, uh, you don't have enough of something and people want more of it. Right. That, that's true. And that's what they call uh, a supply shock um, or inflation that is caused by, uh, co it's called cost push inflation. Yeah, cost push. Uh, we saw something similar in the early 70s when there was uh, an embargo on um, oil coming from the Middle East where there were long lines just because all of a sudden the supply of oil, uh, a lot of oil went away. Um, and oil prices shot up. So it, it could be both, you know, um, it could definitely be a psychological phenomenon, um, where, uh, if there is a feeling amongst consumers that prices are going to keep rising, then there is, uh, consumers are more inclined to spend and buy things in that situation where, whether it be homes or any goods, so if you think the price of uh, a TV that you need is going to go up in the next year, then there's a good chance you'll buy that TV today. Um, but we know that in certain goods like electronics, computers, you know, it's been the opposite where prices have consistently gone down over the years. Uh, but as this pandemic has showed that uh, th there are certain goods like, you know, bicycles, for example, where... Um, Prices have been going up just because all of a sudden more and more people are biking or more people are, yeah. you know, reading newspapers. So are you saying newspapers are going up? Well, that's what this article says, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I, I don't get because, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess they're subscribing to newspapers online, perhaps. Um, yeah, that would be something that would be not dependent upon raw materials, right. uh, you know. It's just another internet subscription. Right. It's odd, but maybe the cost of, uh, I think that it's the cost of 
intellectual content yeah. right. that that people are wanting, you know, wanting to charge more for. I think maybe it should be the cost of news instead of newspaper. Yeah, the fake news ought to be free. Uh, the the good stuff ought to come with a cost. But uh, yeah, know. the newspaper itself is a seems to be a thing of the past. Right. But that that's the interesting thing about inflation, though, um, you know, when it comes to your money, um, we have, you know, very low and we've been in a long environment of very low stated headline inflation. Um, but when it really comes to your pocketbook, you're still seeing your cost of living going up, uh, even in a low headline uh, inflation environment. You're still seeing things that you use every day. Your cost of living is going up. Um, yeah, and so some of those things aren't included in the CPI, right? Or are they're included? They're, they've got a low weighting. I would say they have a low weighting because the CPI is a very broad basket, so it probably includes yeah. all of that. You know, Mike, that brought something to mind. We did a video earlier today, a marketing video we're going to be rolling out, and you mentioned how important it was in the investing scheme of things right. to keep up with inflation. And it hasn't been an issue lately, but with it becoming more of an issue, it becomes even more important how your portfolio is structured. Right, right. Because just like compounding um, grows a portfolio inflation, which is a compounding effect decreases the purchasing power of your dollars. Right. And that's why it's so important to, you know, when you're investing, being in something that will hopefully keep pace with inflation. Um, and then with, you know, withdrawals, you know, if you're taking income from it, um, but what is it that the does the Fed use uh, CPI or is it PCE that the the Fed uses? Uh, they use CPI as uh, the benchmark. Uh, the PCE is the personal consumption expenditure. They they refer to that too, and they're both pretty much tied. Are they are they pretty close? They, pretty close yeah, to the same. Yes. Uh, but when when they set their in, uh, inflation policy, they're looking at the CPI and just the. Uh, Headline CPI, which okay. includes food and energy, but and th and this foods. is something you know we've talked about you know since the financial crisis. You know, deflationary pressures, inflationary pressures. Um, you you look at uh, you know low interest rates, or you know you look at the the cost to retire. Now, there's been a lot of inflation in the cost to retire. It takes a lot more money now to retire yes. and live on than it that, than it did. 10, 15 years ago. So you're having inflation there. You know, what's, it, it's such a personal thing. What's inflationary versus deflationary. If you're a borrower, it's, we've, you've had a deflation because interest rates coming down, you know, your, your money goes further if you're borrowing money, but if you're a saver or you're living on that money, it's been a very difficult time because, you know, you're getting 1% on a CD now. Yeah. Um, and so it, and that, that, translates into the the market and what we're seeing you know with where things are today but it's such a personal thing if it's inflation or deflation yeah inflation is personal yeah because it goes down to what you spend money on right 
Yeah, so inflation for someone who is 20 years old is going to be a lot different than it is for someone who is in their 70s just because they're yeah. consuming a different basket of goods and services. Uh, right. And we know that med- uh, medical care is becoming more expensive. Uh, yeah, but it, it, it has kind of slowed down a little bit here lately, as I understand. You've got things like GoodRx, right. which enables you to get medicines for a lot cheaper. Right. Most doctor appointments haven't gone up that much. You know, I don't know what surgeries are doing, those kinds of things. Right. Hospital. And, I mean, that's one area. And uh, the second area is college education, where for years these two kept going up. But now we are starting to see where technology is playing a role in uh, bringing costs down with both college education because you can learn a lot of things online and uh, healthcare, uh, where... Because of things like good RX and because of uh, telemedicine, you know, you are able to uh, do things uh, in a cheaper way than you could before. So I, I think ultimately, technology is what drives uh, lower prices when it comes to some of these things. Uh, I mean, even when you think of commodities, you know, we saw a big technologically driven uh, uh, revolution in. Um, oil and gas back in 08, 09 with shale and hydraulic fracking. Right. And so ultimately that brought down the price of, you know, drilling for oil and gas. So I think ultimately technology does help bring down prices. Uh, but uh, it's it's always a battle between labor and technology. So sometimes, you know, the cost of labor can push inflation up or down. Uh, and sometimes, you know, if labor remains stable, then technology can bring down uh, prices. So now we may be in a situation where, you know, there have been enough technological gains, but is is labor, uh, a labor cost going to start moving up? And that's the second article. That's what it talks about, um, where basically since the 90s, we've had a downward pressure on uh, labor costs just because uh, China and Eastern Europe, it me- uh, mentions those two regions, became a part of uh, the you know globalized system, which means that a lot of goods that were produced here or somewhere else started being produced in China and Eastern Europe, and the cost of labor there was so much cheaper that the cost of those goods became so much cheaper. Uh, and now we are at a point where... Uh, there's been a shift in demographics, both in China and in <coughs> Eastern Europe, where labor is no longer as cheap. Uh, so will that result in, you know, uh, a flip where we actually do start seeing inflation go up in goods and services? So the labor arbitrage right. no longer I- exists right. as, as much as it did before. Right, that's right. And... Um, you know, uh, we are also in a period of uh, what you would call deglobalization. So basically, the 70s, in fact, post-World War II, the world became more and more global. The EU formed a bloc. Uh, and then in the 70s, China entered the uh, world. Uh, well, it became a member of the World Trade Organization later, but uh, diplomatic relationships with China opened up under uh, Nixon in the 70s. And then... Uh, in the early 90s, India became uh, part of the uh, global system. Uh, so, and now, in the last few years, the opposite has been happening where, you know, the EU is starting to break up a little bit with Brexit. 
China has, you know, become, um, I guess, uh, you know, not a very good player in the global system. So there's a backlash against uh, China throughout the world. So yeah, there is. It's right. not just us. Right, right. So, um, I mean, these are things which may result in, you know, what you would call a move away from globalization, which means that, you know, the labor arbitrage, even if it exists, it could, you know, go away and we might see more manufacturing move back onshore. Uh, so now the question is, you know, will technology be able to offset some of the labor arbitrages that go away? Uh, or does it take time before technology catches up and, uh, uh, you know, helps uh, prices stay stable? But the the other interesting thing on, you, know, you look at millennials um, and, <clears throat> you know, the idea initially that people thought, you know, as the baby boomers age, they're going to stop spending on as much stuff. Um, and then you're going to have deflation in those areas um, or prices coming down, not as much demand. But you're seeing, you know, you look at real estate or these other things that millennials are now where they're starting to have families, you know, cars, uh, real estate, where they're having families moving out of the cities into the suburbs. You're seeing a lot of upward pressure on things. So the millennials are spending money um, more money than was anticipated. Yes, that's that's true. So millennials are not only spending more money, but the millennial generation is also going going to inherit the most wealth right. compared to any generation. Uh, so I, I guess they are aware of that. So they are feeling more comfortable <laughs> to spend money, consume now. Yeah. Right. Um, so I mean. The, the U.S. does have pretty favorable demographics compared to uh, Western Europe or Japan. Uh, the population here is declining. Uh, or the growth rate is slower than it was post-World War II, but it's still more favorable compared to a few other countries. Plus, um, the U.S. has been uh, more uh, immigration-friendly, uh, uh, primarily post the 60s. Uh, and that has also offset some of the decline in uh, population, which, you know, a country like Japan or uh, European countries haven't been. So the demographics are more favorable and that has kept the, you know, economy uh, going. When you have more supply of workers, that that's one of the major uh, inputs for inflation is cost of wages. Right. And when you have workers coming in, it tends to keep the cost down. Plus... Uh, you know, there are um, labor-saving technological right. advances that uh, technology continues to make, or maybe not as much as it did in the in the previous years, but it um, it creates um, cost benefits, right. which you know, keeps the cost of labor down. Right. You don't have to work as hard at certain things. I'll tell you something that has just been an incredible cost saver is the ability to go to a gas pump and put your card in at the pump, pump gas and leave instead of having to go in, wait in line while somebody's buying lottery tickets in front of you <laughs> and, uh, and pay for your gas there. Right. 
it's huge. Yeah. Or, you know, most most recently, you know, uh, you, you do uh, curbside pickup or things like that. You know, at at Target instead of going in Target, you yeah. do a, a pickup or a Kroger or ordering from Amazon or but somebody's got to bring that out to you. So let's bring it out, yeah. but. I don't have to go in and yeah, pick it up. That's true. Uh, and it or takes, spend the time shopping. Right. Or get distracted by other things that you don't need. Exactly. Maybe. Exactly. Which may be a downside for the retailer because there are a lot of impulse buys when you walk through the house. But I find now wearing a mask, I tend to move a little more quickly when I go in anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't like that whole the way that feels, but I do cooperate with the whole thing. Um, hey guys, one thing that I want to circle back around real quickly with the, the, something we talked about also on the video is with the fixed, with the inflation going up Mm -hmm. and the fixed payment of some annuities, that's another thing that. Right. I mean, inflation is real. Um, and if you're taking a fixed dollar amount, if that's being provided to you, um, be it an annuity or whatever it is, um, if it's five hundred dollars a month this year, in twenty years, thirty years, it'll be five hundred dollars. Still, and be $500. it's not adjusted for inflation. Well, that brings us to a break. I thank you for bridging that few seconds. <laughs> uh, you're listening to the Tom Dupree Show, coming to you from the Dupree Financial Group Studios on Main Street. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree Show. Stay tuned. She loved the river and she thought about it too. I was a pretty bad boy, but she called my bluff with a great big collection of steamboat stuff. Many voices. I'm a black Trump supporter. I believe that there's more of us out there. Countless opinions. The more they attack Trump, I believe this whole cheat by mail, the stronger he gets. And one place to have the conversation. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree with Dupree Financial Group. Many people have 401k and 403b plans for their retirement investment accounts. In certain cases, our firm can help participants in these plans manage their investments. This can be helpful because those retirement plans often offer numerous different mutual funds as investment options, and unless the participant is an investment expert, it can be quite confusing. In this case, we put our investment expertise to work for you, the participant. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, Call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP or WLAP.com. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Mountains come to life. Rivers and lakes welcome you back. The open road calls. Kentucky is full of wondrous natural beauty, exhilarating outdoor adventures, and charming towns. Even to those who call it home. Stay close. Go far. Plan your getaway at KentuckyTourism.com. Guys, you know that new Untucked shirt you've been eyeing? 
Well, you can save 30% on everything site-wide and store-wide with Untucket's fall sale event going on now. At Untucket, we design shirts to be worn untucked. Our shirts are the perfect way to feel comfortable and look sharp. So the next time you have to roll out of bed and straight onto a Zoom call, reach for an Untucket shirt instead. Remember to save 30% off during the fall event at Untucket.com or your nearest Untucket store. Untucket, shirts designed to be worn untucked. From acclaimed filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza, who brought you Obama's America, comes his most important film yet. Trump Card. America is at a crossroads. The Democratic Party's socialist agenda, led by Joe Biden, is threatening to take our freedoms away. In Trump Card, Dinesh digs deep to uncover why the threat of socialism is real, what's at stake if we let them win, and how we stop it. Trump Card, now on demand. Rated PG-13. We're going to hang on to scattered showers increasing on this Saturday. It's a wet weekend for the most part across the area. Keep the umbrellas handy today, 65 to 70 for your high. Heavy rain and thunderstorms from Delta tonight into your Sunday. Temperatures generally into the 60s. Heavy rain may cause some local high water issues. We'll have to keep a close eye on that setup. From the WKYT First Alert Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Chris Bailey. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. It's more important than ever right now to reach out to your customers and let them know what your business is doing. So if you've updated your delivery options, created an online store, or just want to remind them how to reach you, advertising on the radio is the best way to do it. Go to iHeartAdBuilder.com to create your free radio ad. It's affordable and customizable. You can even do it all from your phone. Answer a few questions, listen, and approve the ad, and we'll get it on air. Sign up today at iHeartAdBuilder.com and get a free custom radio ad. If you're curious about who may be out there but don't want to jump into anything right away, then take a fun step and just take a look at Our Time. Our Time is the number one dating site for singles over 50. It's easy to use and can help you find a partner to share in a new activity you've been wanting to try. Take a walk or just meet someone new. Check it out. Start for free today. Go to OurTime.com. That's OurTime.com. Start for free at OurTime.com. Back to work at that J-O-B, the one you realized isn't for you? Well, that's if you're lucky, right? Make your move. You can start a new life as an IT pro in as little as four months from the comfort of your own home, even if you have zero computer experience. Take control of your future now. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. Live online classes meet just twice a week. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. We live in uncertain times. It is not uncommon for investors to be fearful about the equity markets and what they may or may not do. At Dupree Financial Group, we are here to act as a sounding board for our clients and prospects as they seek to develop understanding of how to proceed with their investments. Since we are in uncharted waters, our efforts are to educate, guide, and empower our clients. Despite the unique nature of today's investment climate, there are parallels with past markets that can be drawn. We can share some of these ideas with you. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's the Prefinancial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. 
It's knowing that your door is always open and your path is free to walk. That makes me tend to leave my sleeping bag rolled up and stashed behind your couch. And it's knowing I'm not shackled by forgotten words and bonds and the ink stains that have dried upon some line. That keeps you in the back roads by the rivers of my memory. That keeps you ever gentle on my mind. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of the hour. It's Joining us, Adarsh Meshru, Mike Johnson, and our host, Tom Dupree, powered by Dupree Financial Group. Over to you, Tom. Yeah, th- this song was covered by a lot of people, but it was actually written by John Hartford. And he used to play it on the Glenn Campbell show, which was a heck of a show. And then Glenn Glenn Campbell ended up doing a version of it himself. Yeah, I'm sure he did. And, um, but Glenn, the Glenn Campbell show would feature all kinds of artists and they weren't just country. They were, you know, bluegrass, all kinds of artists. And, uh, of course, Glenn Campbell was the star of it. But John Hartford was kind of like the co-star. All right. Trump says no more stimulus talks. Then he says, yes, let's talk about it. He, he kind of went back and forth. Um, that was right in the middle of the COVID crisis. Um, what disturbs me about this market is that it has put so much, um, interest or, uh, heft behind the idea of stimulus, which we know is funny money printed by the fed and doled out however they do it. Um, and it just adds to the national debt. And yet the stock market's like a crack addict saying, you know, we want this to happen for things to rally. Mm -hmm. And that bugs me because I don't think that's, um, fiscally responsible, but the market evidently is looking for that. I don't know whether we're going to get stimulus or not. You know, Pelosi's now acting like she don't want to give Trump the the victory or whatever. And and so it's interesting. I'm I'm not sure what's gonna happen. Right. It, yeah, so this week you had uh on Tuesday, uh when Trump said, you know, we're we're doing away with the stimulus talks, you had the market which was positive, you know, reverse course. Uh, when that happened. And then on Wednesday, um, he said, we're going to piecemeal it. Uh, And then you had, you know, since then the market's been coming back beyond where it was on Monday. Um, But on the stimulus side, I I agree with you, but on, you, you look at, I mean, this was a government imposed shutdown and you know, you look at, you think about people that, you know, mortgages or different loans, different things. And if they're 
business was shut down, forced to shut down, then, you know, then we're passing through, you know, this, this income that's allowing them to make the payments to avoid a default, which would stream, you know, which, which would, you know, uh, snake all the way through the economy right? Uh, where you start having these, these waves of defaults and then the, the leverage on top of that. Um, so I, I, I get it, but it, it, to me, I don't know what the alternative would be unless they going back to square one where they didn't do a shutdown. Um, but they did forced it. And I don't know what the alternative would be. It's amazing. The shutdown of what three, four, five weeks, the trillions of dollars that it's cost. I mean, yeah. Yes. You know, you, 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 you always, you can look back and say, well, this, they should have done this, could have done this. You know, what if it were okay, a mask mandate, but everything stays open, you know, you know, accomplish both. I mean, there's just all these different things that could have done differently, you know, or you spend instead of the, the, uh, relief payments, spend all that on testing, you know, and then you don't have to do the shutdown and then, you know, it it might cost a trillion dollars, but it's not going to cost trillions, multiples of that down the line. There's, there's so much that could have been done differently looking back on it. Um, but where we are today, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what the alternative is for people, you know, that were laid off, forced out of work, are going to miss a payment potentially if they don't get that stimulus or that relief uh, check. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there there really isn't much of an alternative um, given the situation. Uh, unemployment is still at 7.9%. And now the question is, you know, if you st- when you do start opening everything up, you know, will businesses start hiring right away mm-hmm. just because their balance sheets have also been hurt? So, um, Or they realize they don't need the people that they thought they needed. That's a whole other thing. Right. The people that have been at home yeah. over this time mm-hmm. and or the real estate, the offices – Right. That um, companies realize they don't need that much space. So uh, this is just literally 32 minutes old. McConnell, not clear if stimulus bill gets passed before Election Day. So uh, he doesn't expect Congress and the White House to come to an agreement on the COVID-19 relief. Although the Trump administration made another offer worth $1.8 trillion hours later. So, you know, it, it, it may be a moot point. Go ahead. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, so, I mean, ultimately, uh, uh, what the government is trying to do is just offset, uh, the demand that's gone away. Um, so the hope is that they'll stimulate the economy now. And ultimately, that'll result in higher tax receipts and uh, uh, higher GDP growth, whether it be a year from now or even six months from now. And that'll offset the negative impact of the stimulus. At least that's the hope. Uh, we don't know exactly how it'll play out because um, 
every stimulus has a what's known as a multiplier effect. So if you spend money on building a bridge, the multiplier effect may be higher than spending that money on buying a TV. You know, um, so we don't know what the multiplier effect will be, but uh, I think any government in this situation, because this has happened throughout the world, and basically the response of every government throughout the world has been the same, which is to try to stimulate now with the hope that it'll, you know, businesses will come back a few months from now and make right. up for that. The, the amount of debt, though, that's being created is worrisome. It is, yeah. So the debt of the government now is the highest it's been since uh, 1943, which is during World War II. A debt to GDP is crossing 100%. Um, we know after World War II, what happened was, you know, there was a massive boom, baby boomers, boom in population, boom in economic activity, and that completely offset the increase in debt. We don't know if they'll repeat now, so that's the question. If we have enough economic activity, say, over the next 10 years to start bringing down this this debt. Talk a little bit about why the market wants stimulus and what stimulus does to the, to the stock market. I think, uh, well, so really what it does is uh, it helps the profitability of businesses, that's what it comes down to. So the market has a projection of earnings for all the various companies that are in the market. And uh, in the absence of stimulus, some of the demand which these businesses expect may go away. Uh, and they may be forced to either not hire or even lay off more uh, employees. So the market's worry is that if that happens, then consumption will decline and business profits will ultimately decline. So, uh, you know, the talk of stimulus is is, has gotten tied to just how profitable businesses will be and what earnings will be for the year. And I think there's, there's two parts to the stimulus. There's the direct payment to the consumers, which that directly goes to buying a TV or paying your mortgage or whatever it may be, or saving it. Um, so that's, that's the, the first part of the relief or stimulus. But the second part of it is just the lower interest rates, right. which from, from a, a, a corporate standpoint, what that's, this is kind of one of the, the moral hazards, if you will, um, you know, companies that naturally would have had a hard time possibly gone bankrupt uh, that were already trending that way. This is giving them a lifeline and it's, it's kind of like, they may not be very good businesses to begin with, not very good business to begin with, but uh, that's the AKA zombie company where they're, if rates weren't where they are currently, they would not be around. Um, and so what that means, that's another example of kicking the can down the road where when interest rates inevitably go up at, some point, if it's next year or 10 years down the road, if these companies are, if they've not been able to turn their business around, whatever yeah. business that is, when that debt comes due and they are either paying it off or rolling it, they're not going to be able to pay the, the higher rates. Well, they can issue it now at basically zero interest. Maybe, yeah. you know, so it's, it's not like you're having to pay anything for the money. And if you have a balloon payment somewhere down the line, you know, you're hoping you're going to be able to do that, but 
that's a lot of debt for, for some people. Right. Just it, it's more debt than they probably should have taken on during normal times. And they've taken it on now, hoping that, you know, really just hoping to stay afloat and probably not thinking about how they're actually going to retire the debt. Right. Yeah, that's right. They're just treading water. They're just trying to keep their head. Yeah. You know, the, the company is. Um, but at some point that comes due. So as, as an investor, you have to be very careful of that uh, because there are record amounts <clears throat> of investment grade bonds that are just teetered on the edge of not being investment grade. Um, and if you start having interest rates come up, that's when you start having those downgrades and that's kind of the, the steamroll, uh, effect. Yeah. And we've seen downgrades happen in the past, you know, yeah, we know what that's all about. Yeah. And, and all, all, uh, for the listeners, uh, if, uh, if a credit is downgraded, what that means, so let's say they issued bonds at 5%. And the company's rating gets downgraded, um, then new debt that's issued, it might be at five and a half, six percent, depending on where they are. And so when that company has to roll the five percent into the five and a half or six percent, they may have a hard time making the interest payments. And if they can't make the interest payments, that's a default. That's, that's a default. That's the bankruptcy. Yep. Okay. Mohammed El Arian had an article that uh, it's interesting. Uh, he's talking about uh, how the pandemic has affected financial markets. Um, and uh, you want to kind of get into it? Right. So, uh, well, w what he's basically talking about is that the pandemic has resulted in uh, a, a terrible economic situation on the ground. And uh, as we know, governments are trying to, you know, stimulate economies and trying to offset some of this damage that's been done. Uh, but we've seen that the stock market overall has continued to do well. Of course, when you break down the stock market, not every sector has done as well. But the overall stock market, primarily driven by tech stocks, you know, has been doing okay. Uh, so he says that there's a disconnect uh, between... The know, reality on the ground and, and yes. what's going on with the markets. Yes, and part of the reason is that um, investors, uh, since the financial crisis, have become accustomed to thinking that, you know, every time there's a problem, the Fed will step in, lower interest rates or pump in liquidity. Um uh, and the market has basically, every single dip has been bought since the financial crisis. So it's almost become uh, uh, automatic for investors to buy dips. You know, we even saw uh, with this, the last drop that we had in March, it was quite a big drop. But uh, in February, in fact, uh, February, March, and, you know, by April, the market had started rallying again. And, right. uh, you know, within a few months, it recovered everything that it had lost. So, um, and there are various acronyms that we keep hearing. Uh, there's BTD, which is buy the dip, 
TINA, there is no other alternative, which means that when interest rates are basically zero, where else do you put your money? You know, so people are putting yeah. their money in the stock market, FOMO, fear of missing out. So these are all emotions that are very prevalent. And his fear is that um, things may not really improve like is expected. The expectations are that even though things are bad right now, they'll get better. But what if they don't get better? You know, are, are investors becoming overzealous when it comes to the market? Right. Is concerned? It, it, it is just still amazes me to no end the how in the March downturn, March 23rd when the market bottomed, um, how that buy the dip mentality was still intact. Right. And it was, it, it was from largely, uh, or partly from, uh, uh, the, the younger generation, you know, the, right. the Robin hood effect. Right. Um, but there was this still this bull market frenzy that bought down there that rallied everything. That, that just, yeah. You think of what it's going to take to break the buy the dip mentality, you know, where, cause we saw it in 08 and 09 where the, the consensus was this, this is, you know, possibly, you know, never going to come back. You didn't really have that in March. Right. I mean, you, you had the violent, uh, volatility, you know, just record volatility, but you didn't have that long-term consensus where it was drug out over six months, eight months where this is never coming back because it's just this drudgery day after day where it just keeps eking out lower, making lower lows. Right. And it was interesting, you know, just anecdotally in March, April, I was like on various websites and social media. I'd see people post about what stocks they're buying, mostly young youngsters in their twenties, thirties, uh, and their uh, thinking was that, you know, stocks always go up and no matter what, you know, we'll buy it now and 20 years from now, if you don't make money right now, we'll make money 20 years from now. So um, that uh, notion that investing is risky is a little absent, you know, especially yeah. with the younger generation. Uh, and they're not buying uh a mutual fund or an index fund they they are actually buying individual stocks in a lot of cases where in Tesla yeah Tesla yeah. being one of them big time yes um so uh, we are not in a period where uh you know equities are just hated and we haven't been in that period since the financial crisis well march of 09 when the dow got to 6800 yeah. something like that they were hated and they were hated after they came back some too. Right. Um, cause I, I remember I sent a letter out to a bunch of people by here and I had really very negative, uh, sort of, uh, reaction to it. People were angry. Right. Why, you know, why would I do this kind of thing? And, um, it was, uh, pretty good counter indicator that the market was cheap when people get angry at you for sending them a letter. Right. Right. Oh, go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say what, what we do know is that the markets today are relatively not cheap. Uh, 
we don't know how expensive they can become because we saw in the late 90s that they did become very expensive valuation-wise before it all unraveled. Uh, but what we do know is that relative to 08, 09, markets are quite expensive. Right. Uh, well, th- you talk about the, the youngsters that are buying these individual stocks because, hey, I have 20, 30 years before I need it. Um, that's the... That's very risky um, because, like you said, the the notion of risk isn't there. You're just assuming that it will go up. But we saw in the tech bubble things that did go to zero or that took decades, 20 years to come back. Well, that wraps it up for this week to Fast Hour. Thanks for listening. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. Coming to you from the Dupree Financial Group studios on Main Street. We hope you'll go to our website if you like what you heard. You can find podcasts of our past radio shows. You can also find those podcasts anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. Thanks for joining us this week, and we will talk to you again next week. Have a great week. Stories you're thinking about. President of the United States tested positive. Your family should take the vaccine. The stimulus talks confirm Judge Barrett. The next debate. Check in for this story and more. Stories that matter to me most in the news. With News Radio 630 WLAP. We live in uncertain times. It is not uncommon for investors to be fearful about the equity markets and what they may or may not do. At Dupree Financial Group, we are here to act as a sounding board for our clients and prospects as they seek to develop understanding of how to proceed with their investments. Since we are in uncharted waters, our efforts are to educate, guide, and empower our clients. Despite the unique nature of today's investment climate, there are parallels with past markets that can be drawn. We can share some of these ideas with you. For a free analysis of your retirement investment accounts, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. And be sure to listen to The Tom Dupree Show, Saturdays from 7 to 9 a.m. at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400.